Howdy. Our scripture today comes from 1 Kings 3, 3 through 15. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instruction given to him by his father, David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. The king went to, the king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during a night in a dream, and God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on this throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people. You have chosen a great people, too numerous to count and number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for the discernment in administering justice. I will do what you've asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime, you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke and realized it had been a dream. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, it is great to come together as the household of God. And uh, as uh, Alan said earlier, we want to welcome all of you who are worshiping online with us this morning. I talked to a friend on the phone recently, and uh, I hadn't spoken to him in years. And he surprised me when he said that he did not believe that the face masks, you know, that a lot of us were all wearing today, he didn't believe that they do any good at all. None. And uh, I told him, I said, I, I think you're way off base. And he, of course, he came back and said that I was way off base, and we had a good laugh about it. That's the kind of, you know, friend we are. And I thought... Some of you here probably believe the same thing that he does, that masks do no good at all. And so I just want to say, if that's where you are, I'm not going to try to convince you otherwise. I just want to say thank you for putting up with putting on wearing a mask, even when you don't believe in it. I know it's a hassle, they're uncomfortable, but thank you for your patience and understanding, and I hope that you would agree that it's better than not meeting at all. Okay, let's pray. 
Our dear God, um, today we think about um, healthcare workers, doctors and nurses and lab techs and assistants and, and uh, all kinds of therapists and also those who are patients. And probably, Lord, all of us can think of some people or somebody who's sick with COVID right now. And, uh, Lord, we just lift them up to you. Pour your life and healing grace power upon them. And, Lord, we think about all the, what's happening in our schools and just the, the conflict there, the challenges back and forth. We ask you to bless those and who are uh, teachers and staff and, and administrators and school board members. And, and, uh, and we've, Lord, we pray for the students. Ask you to bless them through all of these, this change and turmoil. And, and Lord, that our, that our students would continue to, to thrive and learn. And Holy Father, you are all-knowing and wise. Teach us your ways. We seek your wisdom, your insight. Give us knowledge and understanding. Lord, we seek your wisdom so that we can walk in the path you lay before us, knowing right from wrong, guarding ourselves against temptation and deception, and now, Lord, fill us with your word so that we may walk the straight and narrow path faithfully following you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Will Rogers was a humorist about 100 years ago, and he said there are three kinds of people in the world, the ones who learn by reading, the ones who learn by observation, and the rest who have to pee on the electric fence and find out for themselves. <laughs> well, we are probably all those at different times, aren't we? Maybe a good definition of wisdom is not having to learn by the third way as often as we used to. Today we start a four-Sunday series called Walk in God's Wisdom. We're going to look at King Solomon in the Bible. We're also going to uh, draw from the book of uh, Proverbs and also passages from the New Testament. And we do that because we gain wisdom by bringing together various parts of Scripture. That's what the Apostle Paul talked about uh, when he talked about the whole counsel of God, the whole counsel of God. By integrating the Scriptures, we develop a fuller understanding of God's will and how we are to be Jesus' deep, daring, daily disciples. King Solomon lived in the 10th century B.C. He was renowned as a wise ruler. So let's read about him in 1 Kings chapter 3, uh, starting on page 332 if you have the Pew Bible. Uh, and then, just to let you know the context, in chapters 1 and 2, the aging King David passes on the throne to his young son Solomon. We don't know how young he wa Solomon was when he became king, but I'm guessing, based on all the other things we read there, that he might have been in his 20s. King Solomon, um, we see in verse uh, 1 that one of the first things that he did is, as a ruler is to form an alliance with Egypt. I'm not really sure this was a good idea. And anyway, he seals, uh, seals it by marrying one of Pharaoh's daughters. 
And I think, Solomon, you should have known better. God commanded the Israelites not to marry people who worship other gods. It, it could lead them astray. So in this case, Solomon was disobedient. He, he was certainly not wise. And why did he do it? Well, maybe because it was flattering to him. The Egyptians normally didn't uh, send their princesses off to marry other kings, but this time they, they let Solomon do it. So maybe he's kind of proud of this privilege. We also find that Solomon builds himself a royal palace, and then he builds the temple for the Lord. That may not have been very wise either. I'm sure his father, King David, would have wanted him to build the temple first. Matter of fact, David wanted to build the temple. And in verse 2, we see that because Solomon waits to build the temple, people are not worshiping in Jerusalem the way God intended for them to. They continue to worship and, and bring their sacrifices at what are called the high places, the, the tops of hills and, and mountains, which was following the pattern of their polytheistic neighbors. Now, still in most ways, Solomon follows the laws of the Lord. Verse 3, Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. So up to this point, it's not really been a sin to, to worship on the high places, but delaying the building of the temple, that was the real problem. Anyway, early in his reign, Solomon holds a big festival, a worshipful royal celebration at Gibeon, one of those high places. Verse 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Wouldn't you love God to give you an offer like that? Can you imagine that? What would you ask for? To be a billionaire? To, uh, to be famous? To, uh, to be healthy until you're 100 to 100 and then die peacefully in your sleep? Anyway. Um, so in verse 9, Solomon makes this request. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? And what did God think of that? Verse 10. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. In the next verse, God is also pleased that what Solomon did not ask for, he did not ask for long life or wealth or the death of his enemies, verse 12, God says, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart. And because he sought God's wisdom, uh, Solomon uh, was going to be given also wealth and honor. And then in verse 14, God makes a conditional promise. And if... If you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands, as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Now, this promise, the way it's phrased is, is for Solomon. Uh, based on the whole of Scripture, the, the whole counsel of God, we know this conditional promise is specific to Solomon. 
God doesn't promise everybody wealth and honor and long life because they walk in obedience. So here's young Solomon. He's already disobeyed God about marrying a wife who worships other gods. He foolishly, you know, puts himself before the Lord by building a palace before building the temple. Maybe he realized these mistakes. And so he asked God for this. And uh, he asked God for wisdom, and God promises to give it to him. And I want you to know that this promise is for all of us. In the New Testament, the letter of James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Isn't that a powerful promise? God loves to give you wisdom. God wants to give you wisdom. God wants you to grow in wisdom through your successes and your failures. Our job is to ask for it. I like how it says, without finding fault. In other words, just like with with Solomon, God's going to give you wisdom even when you've done stupid stuff. God's not going to hold back on his wisdom just because you've made sinful choices in the past. When you humble yourself and ask for wisdom, God's going to give it. Give it generously. And it's good to ask God for wisdom, I think, all the time, every time we need it. Uh, And sometimes, you know, we're going to make the wise choice, and we're going to say, hey, that worked out pretty well. We're going to learn from that. Sometimes we're going to do the foolish thing, and we're going to learn from that as well. I remember one time uh, at our Nebraska annual conference, uh, we were electing delegates to our quadrennial general conference and jurisdictional conference. Four years earlier, uh, my colleagues had elected me to represent them at jurisdictional conference, and I was the first alternate to general conference. But this time, it was clear to me that I should not put my name in for consideration. I mean, I'd learned the last time, there are so many delegation meetings you've got to go to, and personally, I found them intolerable. There's so much reading you have to do before going to these meetings, and none of it is interesting. And besides, I was busy. I was starting a new church. I needed to focus on this ministry and my being a pastor and not on denominational politics. And then some of my pastor friends came to me. Steve, we really want to vote for you. Will you reconsider and put your name in? Their request appealed to my vanity. I'm afraid I said yes. And as it turns out, I was elected kind of what you say at the bottom of the barrel. Uh, I was elected third and final alternate to jurisdictional conference. That means I had to go to nine months of delegation meetings and I still wouldn't get to vote on anything. I mean, it was all of the pain and none of the gain. As it turns out, two weeks before jurisdictional conference, I broke my leg. I figured, well, that won't be a problem. I could just, you know, go on my crutches and it'll be fine. But about three days before my flight to Albuquerque, I still couldn't even get my sock on by myself. 
So I called up and said, I can't go. So after all that, I didn't even go to the conference. Now, I hope that I gained a little wisdom from that mistake. Steve, don't let flattery lead you to do things that you don't need to be doing. Stay focused. It's been more than 20 years since then, and the wisdom from that lesson, I think, has paid off for me a couple of times. Twice, um, I've had a bishop say to me, Steve, I want to appoint you to be a district superintendent. Let me tell you, that can be flattering. To hear that from your bishop, and, and, you know, you sort of elevate it in the, in the esteem of your colleagues. It represents prestige and authority and recognition. But it's not for me. It's not my calling. I'm thankful for those who do it. <laughs> but I know that being a district superintendent would be a diversion for me. A diversion for my calling. Fortunately, both times I was given the opportunity to turn down that appointment to be a DS. And I want you to know, every, both times when I did that, I was just, it just elevated my happiness. <laughs> you know, that I get to be a pastor. And I'm so thankful that God gave me the wisdom to respond the way I did. Our humanly sourced wisdom will never be enough. It's not going to be adequate for the life God wants for us. We need divinely sourced wisdom. We need godly wisdom, which is wisdom from God. Today, the heart of the message is short. It's just a simple prayer. Here it is. Oh, Lord, my human wisdom is insufficient. Give me your wisdom. Abraham Lincoln prayed for God's wisdom. He said... He said, I have been driven uh, upon my knees many times by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and, all, and that of all about me seemed insufficient for that day. The Apostle Paul says, the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. The foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. So I would take that to mean if God does something that seems foolish to me, it's still far wiser than anything I could come up with. Now, what is the difference? What would you say is the difference between human wisdom and godly wisdom? Well, let me share with you some thoughts based on Scripture. Human wisdom seeks first to be true to yourself. Godly wisdom seeks first to be true to God. Human wisdom wants to do what feels right. Godly wisdom wants to do what is right. Human wisdom desires extravagant living. Godly wisdom desires extravagant giving. Human wisdom strives for personal power. Godly wisdom uses personal weakness to demonstrate God's power. Human wisdom says that what defines me is my sexuality or my race or my career. God's wisdom says that what defines me is that I am God's creation, made in the image of God. Human wisdom aims for greatness. Godly wisdom aims for service. 
Oh, Lord, my human wisdom is insufficient. Give me your wisdom. I look out at some of you parents. You need, wisdom. You need God's wisdom every day, don't you? Parenting is, is one of the most complicated things in, in, in all of life, in all the world. Our own wisdom is only going to take us part of the way. How do you maintain authority as a parent? How do you avoid some of the power struggles with your kids? What decisions can you leave up to them? What do you do when they have a friend who's a bad influence? Moms and dads, you need wisdom beyond your own every day, several times a day. So pray for your kids, pray for yourselves, and gain wisdom from other parents who are wise. Another proverb says, walk with the wise and become wise. So parents, who are you walking with? Who, who's, who's along beside you that you're seeking, uh, uh, that they're a, a model for you or give sound advice to you, someone you can go to for questions? Walk with the wise and become wise. I know I need, I need wisdom when it comes to the pandemic. And since I'm not a medical expert, that means I have to rely on others. But who do you go to? Whose medical advice do you, advice do you trust? Well, first, I would say I trust my doctor. I mean, I trust my doctor every time, right? I go there. I hope that you have a doctor that you can trust. Talk with your doc. Have you thought about that? When it comes to COVID, talk with your doc. You got questions. You might have to leave a message. Maybe the nurse will have to call you back, but somehow get that. And by the way, every physician that I have asked likes the on re online resource WebMD. I've even got the WebMD app on my phone. Now, that doesn't mean I can diagnose myself, <laughs> but I do trust that it's good info. And as I talked about last Sunday, I believe it's wise to see good science and biblical faith as friends, not enemies. Good science, biblical faith. God made the world so that we could discover nature's laws and benefit from those discoveries. And yet, I have to realize that I'm a sinner. My heart is deeply flawed. My human wisdom is flawed. You know, the world tells, tells us, just, just follow your heart. But my heart can easily be led astray. I need what only God can give. Will you say this prayer with me as you see it on the screen? Oh, Lord, my human wisdom is insufficient. Give me your wisdom. Holy Father, you are all-knowing and wise. Teach us your ways. We seek your wisdom and insight. Give us knowledge and understanding. We seek your wisdom so we can walk in the path you lay before us. 
knowing right from wrong, guarding ourselves against temptation and deception. Fill us with your word, O Lord, so we may walk on the straight and narrow path faithfully following you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.